Pop. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, we're back to you with another episode of Cut Talk Radio. As always, we're grateful for everybody who's been supporting, liking the videos, commenting, subscribing, all that good stuff. We appreciate all the support we get, especially from the community. It means the world to us. Today, we got a new episode for you guys. We got a new guest, which is always exciting. And uh, Dr. Carol, can you please introduce yourself? Um, Dr. Carol Jamura. Oh, no, by the way, I cannot see you. Is that okay? Oh, you can't see me? I don't see your face. Oh. Should be good. <laughs> voila, voila. Voila, voila. It's a French name, word. Mm. Voila. Voila. Beautiful language. Voila. So sorry for it. Sorry, you guys. We interrupted the intro. But yeah, Dr. I'm sorry. Can you Carole please? Carole Jean Murat. Thank you, Dr. Carole Jean Murat. You can go by Dr. Carole. Dr. Mm-hmm. Carole. Okay, beautiful. Yes. I love I love the French language. Very interesting. Um, but yeah, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do and things like that? Just a brief description. Uh, it's a long story. Um, I am originally from Haiti. Decided I wanted to be a doctor. Went to school in 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 Mexico. Uh, I have a eclectic background. I went to. I studied in many universities in Mexico, Jamaica, the U.S. Then I did my training here in the United States in obstetrics and gynecology. But what I have is just like a gift of intuition. I will, I'm from a family of healers and shamans and midwives. And uh, I see things differently. But the way I say, just like people see medicine as an apple and I'm an orange. (laughs) Uh, And just to give you an explanation, it's just like you go to the doctor and say, oh, I have a headache. And then they said, okay, let's do, you're going to take this for the headache. But then me, I go differently. And I said, let's go backward. Mm -hmm. What is it happening in your life? Why do you have the headache? If you're you're bleeding, let's say something that they don't have an x-ray, it would be like uh, you cannot sleep, for example. And I would say, uh, uh, there is no test for you to not to be able to sleep. But they would say you cannot sleep. You stress. Here is the here is a pill, a sleeping pill, or you can do. Uh, so some people, alternative uh, practitioners, they might say have some CBD, have some this, you know, whatever you can use. Me, what I do, I look for the why. It's always the why. It's the root cause. Why can't you sleep? Right. And we deal with it. So uh, over the years, the people I've dealt with, I do consult, people come, they don't know what's going on in their lives. They refer uh, to I have a clinic uh, with the patients will come and we don't know what's going on. And they will come and and I just ask them why, because we all know. We all know why, we all know. And then this is why I, I take the time, so I write written many books and it's just now I want to be out there. People are telling me you have so much information. You need to go out there and let people know how easy it is. It's always let's go backward. Let's, let's say what happened six months ago. How long ago did you start having difficulty sleeping? Uh, three months ago, and then so you can go to. Uh, it could be your work, your problem with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your spouse or you have a child who's having some issues who who, who is sick. You have to go to the doctor. You have a new diagnosis. There were so many reasons. So the reason uh, the, what what I do work is because I just ask the patient why. And yeah. people, you know, and then when I when I work with the UCSD School of Medicine, so I have the resident and or the students, and they say, we send you this patient and within 15 minutes, not only you see the patient, you tell them what's going on and then now they get better. How do you do it? And I say, 
I asked them. Right. And that's why, I, that's why with all this information that I have, I want to be going out there and say to the people, you have to stop listening to yourself. Definitely. We all know, we do, we do. And as a physician, as a surgeon, and 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 with all my experience, and and and, and it's essentially, I'm a mirror from people. And I say, and I can ask you, you want to two questions, but also I show you, mm-hmm. you understand who you are. Yeah, and I think you know what you're tapping into something very interesting there, and I think that we'll definitely carry on that conversation, but. You did mention something, which is your background. And that's something that we like to find out about the guests, right? We like to find out their background, their origin story, all that stuff. Yes. You mentioned you went to school in Mexico. Both of my parents are Mexican, you know, so of course. Where well, in Mexico? Uh, my dad's from Michoacan. My mom's from uh, San Luis Potosí. But oh, San Luis Potosí. Yeah. Yeah, so. Michoacan. Yeah, uh-huh. So if yeah, you, we have a lot of Las Guitarras de Michoacan. Yeah, Las Guitarras. We're known for avocados, you know, dancing, a lot of uh-huh. a lot of rich culture in, in Michoacan. Yes. Uh, so, but let's take us back, right? You mentioned you were born in Haiti. About To what age were you in Haiti? I finished... I went Haiti until I was... I left Haiti when I was 20. So you grew I up. I don't so. need to go... But just, I finished college. Let's say I finished college, and then I wanted to go to... A, I speak French. And Haitian. So I was going to go in a French-speaking university, and then so I went. My father had, went into exile. I have a long life. <laughs> went into exile, and then so then we had our green card after I finished, and then I was going to be going to some to 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 I speak French. So we're going to go to a French-speaking university, or in which would be in, in France or Belgium or Switzerland, uh, Belgique or La, La Suisse. So that's where I was going to go to school. But then things happen, and then at the time you didn't have Google, you didn't have things, you can go and get the university. I couldn't have the contact because I was supposed to have a different uh, life journey. And also one thing I want to share while I'm talking is my experience. Sometimes we want something very badly, it doesn't happen. It's because we have a path that so many times predestined that different people you're going to meet. Because I ended up going to Guadalajara. I was going to go to Daunam, in Mexico City, but they have a bunch of well guys. They were like all the time, they, they close the university. And I have a friend of my family who was now the ambassador of Haiti in Mexico City, and it's a Unchilongo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, and I said, I, I, I'm as Mexican as a Haitian. And, yeah. And then so he said, no, uh, no, they don't want to go somewhere. Indo is free. Better go to University Universidad de Guadalajara. You have to pay, but you'll know you'll finish school. Because there was all these strikes they having, they closed the school and blah blah blah, and then so I ended up in Guadalajara. Right. So uh, I got a couple of questions there. So you mentioned, you know, uh, in our current times, you know, there's a very tragic situation going on in Haiti. But when you were growing up, what uh, what was the situation like? And also, you mentioned that you knew French, which is very interesting. Was that common? Did you guys learn? Was learning French, French something? We all we all French colony. We were the first country mm. that became free. Uh, uh, in 1804 from mm. slavery. Oh, really? I'm... And then in early 18, 1900, we, we helped when Sa- Simon, Simon Bolivar, when Simon Bolivar was trying to free the slaves and the, the you know, the, uh, uh, in, in South America and in Mexico. So he get, we went and got refuge in Haiti. Haiti has changed the history of the world. So when he went to Haiti, uh, they gave him, he, he was wounded. And then they, they gave him uh, uh, oh, sh- ship, 
they give him money and they say you're going to go and fight for the independence because we've we've done it ourselves and then so if you go and look in the history you're going to see simon bolivar that's why when cesar chavez from venezuela who's when he realized what haiti did for south america for the freedom so he helped a lot mm. for haiti and so um the uh we have a long history but when i was growing up we had dictatorship so we had papa dog there were killings and totomaco that's what my father end up living into exile so i grew up in a war zone i grew mm. up in a war zone but then i had uh, I a background of healing so eventually i said i want to be a healer i want to be uh, when i was 11 years old i lived with my paternal grandmother i didn't ever live with my mother and 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 then uh, i would go and visit her rarely it was like a caste society situation and uh, but then i remember uh, my my mother uh, was the caller to do a delivery so i was 11 years old when i went with the little mechon is a little light a burner i said mom can i carry it i want to be remember i want to be a doctor and then so i said oh my god what am i going to do with all this blood and then i end up being an obgyn <laughs> so, mm. but then and it, it was then and then there were a lot of things happening and I, I, i've never seen a woman doctor but the idea is that uh i, I, I had a good, my grandmother was a pioneer my father's mother she was the best angel the best thing that ever happened to me and then she, and also my father he would come and visit us and say you could do anything you can be anything whatever you want i wanted to be a nun but now you want to be a doctor whatever you want so i had the support and my the person in the in my family side and my mother's side they were also you know i was like the person who's going to make it because they were not very highly educated and then uh, so and i want to be uh my mother made a lot of sacrifices for me right. so i said i wanted i wanted to be different i'm going to take all the opportunity i have you know of course i have my mother my, my, my father right. you know say you you know i happen to to be have a nice brain and i can learn very quickly and i had made a decision very young i'm going to be i'm going to be different i'm going to be educated and and then i'm going to be a healer it's fascinating too that you mentioned that mentality because you know you, you you're growing up in this dictatorship you're growing up in this very chaotic society and yes. you're, you're still able to to make sense of it you know you're still able to not lose hope in some sense and that's very powerful and it you is. know the the idea that you're able to maintain hope in a hopeless situation is something that I think, yes i think is yes. very very i mean just it says a lot to your character but also I wonder because you mentioned this, you know, the the healing was that tied to religion in any way? Um the healing my my grandfather was a voodoo priest. Oh okay. And a healer, but one of the things when I was I went to a parochial school uh-huh. in the capital in Port-au-Prince and then he lives in a in another in another in another town. Uh-huh. So I wasn't supposed to tell anything about him <laughs> because the it's just like all indigenous healing are seen as evil. Oh, okay, I see. Because the modern religion outcasted them as like the savages. things that have been there for centuries, and yeah. then, and then, but then, in these, my my, my grandfather. So essentially, I've sort of becoming like him because knowing and seeing and understanding, mm-hmm. uh, I can lay hands on somebody, and all those things is just like, uh, it's it's from it's from my genes. Yeah. So that's you- why I could not stay in medicine because. I know I'm a, I'm a surgeon, but then if you're bleeding and, and then I know that, you know, why you're bleeding. I know the root cause is something is happening in your life. 
you don't bleed. Mm. Yeah, I mean. Then, then for me to make money, I have to operate on you. But I don't need to operate on you. If you, I could, it's just especially now, if you, if you come and you're bleeding, we can, by the time we're talking, because I sometimes doing a consultation, you know, somebody comes with me and spend time with me at the healing garden. And then by the time we're talking and I say, this is the problem. It's your job. It is this. This is the, you're in a flat of fight. You're in a constant stress. And that's why your hormones are imbalanced. So we, this is what's happening. So what do we do? Or somebody's grieving. If you're grieving, I had a patient, uh, she came, she had, she had, she's taking 15 medications. She has diabetes. She has every disease because that's how the body reacts. So when you have a stressor coming, it's going to come out high blood pressure, diabetes, insomnia, depression. You're going to have all those diagnoses and they're giving you medications that are going to make you sicker. So yeah. by, the time they, by the time they send me those patients, the patients are already, already uh, almost dying. And then they say, we don't know what to do. And, I, and I'm just saying, why? And that particular patient, she, she lost her son. So she was grieving and there is a diagnosis for it, complicated grief. So there is always a reason that the body is beautiful. It's a beautiful machine that is ready to heal itself. It's, it's just like a car is driving unless you put a wrench on it. Unless you did something, it's going to drive. Mm -hmm. And, but if you put the pedal to the metal, uh, it's constantly driving it instead of 25, 30 miles an hour, it's supposed to be driving, but you're constantly driving 200 miles an hour. It's going to deteriorate. So whatever is going to deteriorate, it's either it's going to be the wheels or it's going mm -hmm. to be the, uh, the, the yantas, the, the, the tires, mm -hmm. and, and, you see, and then, so it's just like, why is your car doesn't go nice and smooth? Yeah, no, definitely you're tapping into something there. That, again, and that, that's why I kind of asked about, well, the reason why I try, I asked about the religious ties is because, well, this, this hope, right, this idea that you could still maintain hope, I, w I was wondering if that had something to do with, Again, because healing or like healing in that sense is so tied into the faith of again, you you have faith in the fact, like you're mentioning, right? The body is gonna heal itself. So, in some yes. sense, there's faith in in just allowing things to happen the way they happen. And again, okay. that's why I'm saying that ties into the to the mentality where like maybe because you practiced your faith in that way, it allowed you to continue to see, you know, to trust the universe in some sense and even in it the is, path that your life was going mm -hmm. I, the, my last book is called strengthening your spiritual foundation for optimum health how to unleash your inner healing powers and number one is having faith mm -hmm. it's having faith and it's not worry not having toxic emotions so those are all those things that can make making us sick you see when i was growing up for example oh, having a reason to live is very important mm -hmm. because you would have everything but you don't i don't have any reason to live and that's yeah. why when for example when that patient who came and then she was she was bleeding because she's lost her son but she has a daughter and she was in the verge of losing her husband who was tired of it it's been 10 months and then i said you have to i understand you miss your son but you have to pray we're going to pray together i pray with my patient he said ask me he said just say jesus say and then I'll go by which religion you are. So if you're Jewish, I cannot pray with you with with uh, with with Jesus. We have to pray with Adonai. If you're Muslim, so I be so I I I, I most of the time remember we're saying hope. But if you if you have a strong spiritual foundation, you have to be hopeful. Because in like in the Bible they say, 
if I can take care of the birds, why would I take care of you? Mm-hmm. So yeah. essentially, I, that's why I say I'm a spiritual healer because those are simple things all of us can, if you have our faith, and many times, like this patient, remember, her name was Irma, you know, she was Hispanic, she was from Mexico. And then he just like, she was angry at God. You took my son. I said, Irma, you, you were a sinner. And she laughed for the first time. She said, you have a daughter. God didn't have a daughter. She said, oh, I didn't see it this way. So, <laughs> but I said, the way you, the way things are happening, you're going, you're so sick now. There is nothing. You're bleeding. You give you blood, you know, transfusion and all those things. You have diabetes, no control. Your teeth are rattling. You, you, you need to stop that. I know you want, I know unconsciously you want to die because you feel you caused your son to die because she asked the son to go to the store and he was killed. So, and it's just like, so I wow. said to, I said, uh, it's, it's the guilt, the remorse. And that's what was killing her. And I said, no, you, you have your husband. You, 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 you don't know. She was like, her husband was 42 years old. And I'm saying, he's going to be remarried and you have a daughter. The daughter will suffer. Then I had to have her to trust as I miss him, I miss him. And I said, then you go on in your knees and you say, Jesus, sweet Jesus, the Lord of the strong, help me, I'm weak. First, you have to want to live. She mm-hmm. wants to die unconsciously. I want to live. And then you have a reason to live for. And that's I, all these things in my book, Strengthening Your Spiritual Foundation. And then it's reason to live for the daughter and her husband. And she said, oh, that's true, that's true. Because the grief, it's just like, the grief is just like putting a, a, a tree and you don't see the whole forest. Yeah. But I took the tree out for her in a grief. That's powerful. So. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it is a reminder again that that life life goes on, you know, and some people yes. take that in a cruel way. They say, oh, how can you be so heartless? And it's like, no, it's it's just you got to understand that everything in life is a gift. Even when it's taken away, it's the, the fact yes. that it existed in the first place is the gift. And that's what we got to be yes. grateful to God for is that, and I, I know I'm not necessarily the most religious person, but I doesn't do. matter. We call it religion. Say, so let's go and make a difference. Uh, spiritual, you can be a spiritual person and you could be a religious person. Religious, you're part of the religion, but the spiritual, you understand life and the higher power. And you're going to choose whomever God you want to, to do. It could be Jesus. It could be, if you're in Catholic, if in Catholic religion is uh, God. So it's mostly God and Jesus is his son. Mm-hmm. So each religion is different. So it could be a Buddhist. So as a healer, I respect when people come, I just say, which religion are you? And then, and I found out nine and a half out of 10% of, out of 10 patients are sick because they don't have that strong spiritual foundation. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter which one, who is the, who the, who, who the God is. I, I use the metaphor of a cake with multiple slices. They're all the different religion and you have God as the candle in the middle. So I meet the patients where they are. Yeah. Who, whom do you pray to? Whom do you trust? Whom do you have faith in? Then I'll say, let's do it. So most people in where is they are Catholic, right? And then I have a lot of Hispanic. I'm in San Diego. So, and then, uh, and the, the, they, and then I would say, and that Ilma had a cross. <laughs> she had a cross. I said, Ilma, you have a cross. But I'm oh, angry. Yeah. We don't God understand religion. Yeah. Huh? I said, yeah, we, we misinterpret religion a lot. Like, we kind of just do it the way we want to do it, which is like, that's That's cool the too. point. So that's what I'm saying. This, I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. 
And then I, that's what I say, I'll to strengthen your spiritual, your spiritual uh, uh, foundation. And, and then I've, grew, I've been raised, my grandmother, she died in a, she said, at 87, when I can, whenever I cannot clean myself, I'm going to go. And I say the same thing too. It's because I do everything. I have, I have, I'm, I created a, a place uh, where I can nurture my body, nurture my soul, nurture my spirit. And, uh, and that's what I teach people. So you might say, why are you taking the time to, to do podcasts? And it's just like I said, that's a wonderful way to be out there for people to listen, to know, because this is the truth. It's not like you're going to eat this organic food, you're going to have this and the supplements and everything. No. When you have faith, you don't have any toxic emotions. When you have faith, when you have a strong spiritual foundation, you are about love. Definitely. You're about forgiveness. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I just had a conversation with somebody and they said the exact same thing. It's like, yeah, like, see, that's, that is the beauty of having a podcast in some sense. Like, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, she was like, oh, you know, you, you, you're, there's like an understanding that we're going to have a, a actual conversation, you know, it's like versus in society, right? Like, if you see how people interact with each other on a daily basis, it's like, like, hi, hi, good morning, nice weather, da, 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 da. And it's like, that's it. You know, it's like if you were to walk into a room and you heard people talking about, well, spirituality is this, da, 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 and then you heard, then you might be like, wait, what's going on in here? You know, so yes. it's like, but it's it's the fact that we become so uncomfortable in those conversations that I think it, that's it the point discourages that's people. What making, and that's that's what make us sick. That's why when we, you know, what the number one cause of sickness, isolation, mm. isolation, cynicism. And then depression that those and then so when you are alone when you don't have something to live for and there is stress you, you cannot avoid stress it's how you respond to it but when you when something is happening your child is die is dead so you know it's god it's that thank you and that's what i tell my patients the one who are having complicated grief they send to me it's just like be thankful for the time you spent with that child yeah. So I make them have a different perspective and then they can now, because they live in the past. So now they can, because when you're constantly living in the past with grief, with remorse, with guilt, you, you forgo the present, which is a present in English, in other language, <laughs> it's a, it's a present. And then, and then you can enjoy the present. And then you have time to, to see and appreciate. I have a beautiful garden. Oh my God, I have roses are coming. End of April and May. And I go outside and I just cry. And I say, thank you. And I have some, you know, I've been doing some retreats. So women will come. People will come and enjoy it. And then it's just like, and when you walk, you can feel it. Because I spent time creating the garden. And I started the garden in 2000 when I had a, I had a series of panic attacks. Because I didn't know who am I in I couldn't do surgery. I tried to go back to Haiti. We had a hospital without running water. And then because I'm one of the highly skilled surgeons, and it's just like, but I had to understand about my, understand about me, gives me a time to then understand more of my patient. And it's just like, things happen. And then now I'm just helping so many people. So that's why, that's why the reason I'm in this podcast. And then I, and I'm eventually I'm putting things together to do more things on social media and I'm having my own podcast with sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like it's going to be called True Healing Matters. True Healing Matters. Because we're going to teach people and then it's simple. This is what it is. This is what you get sick. 
That's it. Simple formulas. Yeah, it's interesting because I have a I have a friend who who she got sick and and what happened was she she uh they told her it was because of stress but she got like Bell's palsy or something like half of her face got paralyzed. Uh huh. But it That's was stress. all because of stress, you know. And it's like, well, what is stress? Like stress is just the way you interpret things in your mind, you know, the way the mm-hmm. spirit interprets. It's like if you let's say you're poor, right? You can be poor and miserable. I mean, that's the easy option, but you can also no, be No, but most most people who are uh, uh, are happy are poor. Yeah, exactly, but you can't yes. but you can be happy to different poor. countries because they're not after that we have money, money, money. They have this simplicity of life. Right. We're taking and it for let granted. me let me say something about stress so you understand. Stress is something that mother nature built into us when they say, like say fire or and uh, there is an emergency and you have to run. And then so what happened is your heart starts racing, your lungs are, uh, bronch- you know, your bronchioles are open. So you're ready to run or you fight or in the antiquity is just like you're going to fight. Uh, they call it the uh, saber to tiger. We're going to say coming after you. The fight or flight. But then here, here these days, they call it the fight or flight response. Either you fight or flee. And so it's happening all the time from work, from somebody mm-hmm. sick, you know life happening but it's is not we cannot it, stress is inevitable it's how we respond to it it's how we respond to 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 do it so it's one of the books that uh, i have is four quick ways to overcome the stress response it's because we'll have stress but then how how do you have how you respond to it but then number one you have to have a strong spiritual foundation to know to know that what is happening is part of your journey. Right. That's the most sense, important thing. In some sense, it's like it's better to prepare for the si- stressful situation than to pretend that you will never face stress in your life. It's like mm-hmm. it's better to just be equipped for the battle than to equip, equip, and the and the and the battle is, uh, I would say, uh, knowing not not having to worry, living in the moment, enjoying life, and. For example, if it's raining, it's raining, you know, I'm going to have weeds, but oh, my water bill is going to be less. I always find a positive thing about it. Right. And then, but then, and it's, we cannot, like I said, stress is inevitable. We're going to, they're going to come, but it's just like, how do you respond? How do something is happening and how you can take a deep breath and you can say, okay, let me focus. Let me see. And, and, and then, uh, and then learning how to deal and bring have people around you who don't bring you too much stress, right. you know, and see everything in temporary. It's just like patient will come and then they're bleeding and and then because they learned that the company was going to da- be the downsize, they don't even, she doesn't even know. She was the big manager. She said, "What am I? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I? How how?" And she's bleeding, and I said, "Okay, let's see what you could do." Uh, do you have any savings? So I say, while you doing, while you doing, uh, while we're waiting for it to happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's the future that's killing her. What about having some money aside? And also, you could always go if if they fire you, you can go to uh, unemployment. She says, oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's just, yeah, it's just I'm going to lose my job, and then it just it's a, the, my gift is having people see the the different perspective. And then you say, oh, yeah, I can go in an employment. And then guess what? She ended up, oh, the, the company did close, but then she found a job that was better. <laughs> they were paying her more money. And 
when they when they close the company, they give her severance pay, so she has enough money, and then she and then the the company who bought the company say, oh my God, we need to have her and offer a better job. So you see, so it's a matter of yes, this isn't going to happen. It's just how we look at it. It's how we look at it. Yeah, and that's fascinating because in some sense she's kind of like she, her body's reacting. In yes, the, in the way that it's already happening. Yes, you, and then it's like, but the reality is that that's it's worry. It's called worry. She was worried. Yeah. Worry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And it's like, and again, we, we we take it as, I think sometimes there's a misinterpretation of like, oh, you have to plan for the future. And I guess you again that preparedness is, of course, you got to be prepared for things to come. But it's like, yes, it's just good to have some savings, to have some things right. around, and you do. But then you cannot be constantly living in the future. Right, right. And then it's you like can't. what's happening then, in the moment. You don't know because you're so worried about You have tomorrow. to be in the moment. You have to enjoy the moment and it's called the present and the, it's a gift yeah. in English. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it just makes a lot of sense and I think I think it comes from also lack of awareness, you know, it's because when you get so caught up in the, in the everyday struggle yes. of of work life, yes. work life, you know, and then expound that into anybody yes. living in Yes. And it's in called the, being in survival. Survival, right. Yeah, and then it's like like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, it's like human needs have a, there's some hierarchy of human needs. Yes. When it's basic survival, but right. to go and then to, to go and to, to be on the top of that pyramid, it takes a lot of work a and lot. it's a lot of letting go. A lot of conscious you know? effort, not just conscious not just... effort. I want things to be different. And then it's just like, I want things to be different from my life. And then because I'm a healer, uh, I'm, I don't have to do surgery. I don't have to deliver babies. I don't have to, but the knowledge that I have, I'm healing a different way. Right. It's, and it's the same. I think it's even more powerful because people, it's a mechanical thing to do. But, it, you know, one of the things I talk, is, I talk is disappointment. You know, sometimes you think you want this, you want this, you want this, but it doesn't happen. It's because there is a bigger door that's going to open for you. It's just like, oh my God, here I'm best trained, one of the top surgeons. I cannot do surgery because my malpractice insurance is so high. And I remember my husband said to me, uh, uh, because when we in my income, when we were filling out income tax, because I have a business, but the money that I was taking home, and she said, "That's it." I said, "Yes," because for my overhead and my my practice insurance keep keep kept on climbing, right. and he didn't say anything. He said, "Oh, that's crazy." That's the only thing he said. So I ended up, and I said, "I'm going to be writing. I'm going to I start writing books. So I have major publisher. My first book on men- menopause. Oh, my first book was in Espanol." Buena salud, diez pasos simples para la mujer. So, and then, then I said in English, and I started writing. I said, I'm going to write and write and write. So whenever I feel sad, and I would write and write. So that means I have so much, so many things that I can educate, I can, that I will be using now with, with the technology. But then it's just like the, sometimes, like I said about disappointment, and it's, it, at the time, it's just like, what am I going to do? But then, I believe that I was on the right path. I believe that why was of all the people that I had the gift to heal without a knife. Uh, so I could not be a top surgeon cutting people because you, you, if you're a surgeon, you have to cut people. Yeah. You don't go and talk about, Oh, what happened? Your, your son died and you're going to pray with you. No, 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 there is no money in this. Thing. But it's just like, uh, so I, I paid a pa- deep financial price for it, but then, I knew, I knew that 
there were things, you, there were always, you do light. People always say, oh my God, they're light. You do light for the people. So, and then, so I, I learned, I, and I've lived in different countries and I see different way of healing. And, and then, so I have my own and it's just like, this is simple. And I'm helping more people than I would ever help in, in a private practice. Right. Yeah, and it's 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 giving you more uh, more fulfillment in some sense that way, you know, because it's fulfilling your soul. Not only yes, your, not only are your yes. pockets being filled, but also your heart and your mind and your soul is being yes. filled. You know, which is a, which again, you know, when we again when we uh, when we outsource value outside of ourselves, when we start to value too much external things, I think that's yes. when we become the most lost because now not only are you you have no faith, but you have faith in something that's obje- that's a material thing. And oh, you know, but it's it's so it, it it's so temporary. You can right. lose it any time. Right. So what I have, and that's what you know. It's just like when I go and meet people, when I, uh, my patients, it's just like it's just the I will always they just look at me, they start crying. It's just like somebody understand me. I, I'll give an example. There was a gentleman he came and he was in an accident. I was in the clinic in a pain 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 clinic. And then after I quit upsetting Ganico, which is one of the things I did. And then, and then he came and he wants to pay medication and he's telling me, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a drug addict. Isn't I don't want the drug, but I need, I need that. And I looked at him. I said, let me tell you how you feel. It's a 42 year old, very handsome man. I've kissed, I've hugged so many handsome men. And I said to him, let me tell you, these medications are killing you your stomach, your brain, and this, and at night, you cannot find a comfortable way to lay in the bed because you broke your elbow, it was broken in your back. He just looked at me and usually my patient will stand up. They said, oh, you understand me, you understand me, nobody understands me. I say, I do, I understand, I understand. And then it's just like, by living a surgical field and things like that, I had to learn to be like my grandfather was, like my grandmother, you know, my mother, you know, simple healers, and then understanding. And this is what caused the trust. And it's not trust. And I know I'm in the right place. And then you say, you understand me. And I say, and it's simple. Plus I have the, the gift of, making you see i i mean my father oh you need to hear what my father uh my father also a healer and then here i am let's say uh what he passed name, away 14 years ago but let's say 20 years ago i'm talking to my father my dad i'm a spiritual healer i am i am intuitive healer. i'm healing without the night blah 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 my father say hold your horses you're not doing anything i say dad what do you mean and that's what my father said. You have the knowledge of science, metaphysics, drugs, uh, the body, you were a surgeon, and you know psychology, you know psychiatry. And then, so what you are, you are a mirror. You are a mirror to your patient. And because of your reputation, by the time they come to the office or the clinic, they already healed because they know she's going to heal me. <laughs> she said, oh, she's going to find what's wrong with you. So when the patients come to you and you have that gift able to look, see your, look at it, I create a questionnaire. 
And the way I created it, just like, oh, that's what's happening. And and I say, why? And you tell me. And then I say, let me tell you, like this gentleman, let me tell you. So I tell the patient, this is you. This is what's happening. And they go. So then that patient has the opportunity to heal himself or herself. Right. And my father said, you can take a horse to the river, but you can force him to drink. So my father said, this is your mirror. So, and then, of course, many things happen. I have a lot of many mentors, spiritual mentors. And then one of the things I had to, I don't, I don't memorize in English. I have a concept and I talk about it. English is my fourth language. I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. So, and then the thing is that I wrote, I of myself, I do nothing, but the Holy Spirit works through me. Thank you, Jesus, for the work. So I am there and I say, you're having, you're taking 15 medication, you have 15 diagnoses, but it's your grief that is making you sick. And this is what you can do. But then I know people don't do things for themselves because she's grieving and she feels she has remorse and guilt. But I say, I've learned to say to her, you have to live for your daughter. Women will live for their children. They won't do anything for themselves, but they do it for your daughter. How she's, all this time she lost her brother and she's being you sick. And then she's watching you going to doctors and doctors and all these things, medication, feeling sick. But your daughter. So, and here is what you do. That's what I say. I'm, see, this is the intuition of seeing. This is what's happening. That's why you say. And she said, yes, yes. But she said, but doc, I can't, at night I can't sleep. I miss my son. I miss. And I said, then, so <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm a, I am at a place associated UCSD School of Medicine, right? Big science. And I said, okay. So I took, I said, okay, I'm going to do something. I took, you know, when you go to the doctor, the table, they have something. They have a, a, a cover for the table, paper, paper, a table cover. I tear it off, put it on the floor, take a stack of gowns, put it, paper, make it like a sandwich. And I say, kneel right here. And I say, when you go home, now you want, now you know you want to live. You know your son is in the heavens. And you know that you have to live for your daughter and your husband. So you're with me now, you feel okay. But when you're home, at, let's say at night, you won't be able to sleep. What I want you to do, you're going to get on your knees right now, like you're going to do. And I held her hands. And I'm going, I'm going to show you a prayer that my grandmother used to, used to say. Remember when we have the, uh, you call me, there were, instability and all the killings and everything mm -hmm. those this is the prayer my grandmother will say and this is a prayer i had to say myself when i had to want to go through my own transformation and i said would you like me to say that prayer with you going to repeat jesus sweet jesus the lord of the strong help me i'm weak jesus sweet jesus the lord of the strong help me i'm weak and she goes <sighs> and i say whenever you feel that pain in your uterus that's why you're bleeding to death and then when you feel that pain, when you can't sleep, just breathe and see. And I put my hand on her head. See, Jesus, sweet Jesus, the Lord of the strong. She repeated it. And one month, boom. <laughs> they say, he says, I'm a miracle worker. I said, no, it's just like able to understand being the mirror and giving her the right thing, make her understand what's going on. Mm hmm so right. and the genuine understanding too not just not just mm -hmm. you see that's the thing about people who learn only through an institution is that you'll be taught in a very robotic way 
you have your a, body queen. You have a situation and there's one solution to it. But that's not how life works. That's not how nature works. Things no. come in many different circumstances. And what we have to do is adapt our understanding and our methods to the situation. Yes. And that's yes. exactly what you're doing every time you treat that's a what, And that's what I've done for many years. And then it's 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 and then this is why I want to do it to social media. I'm going to start a podcast in Haitian. Not a pod, my podcast could be in English, but I'm having uh, my YouTube channel and I have my assistant with doing things in uh 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 at Dr. Carol where people follow me and then so we'll give all the lessons and uh uh I'll be giving you know so I'm learning about TikTok or uh Instagram to give the little tools. It's just like and they have me take pictures. I, I was my garden. I can balance a rock. Oh, that is the most balanced. Just yeah. it's just like, how do you do it? I say this rock say, I want to be balanced, and this one say, I'll receive it, and I go, uh, uh, and it's balanced. It's just like I'm connected. So, and it's just like we we all can do that. We all can do that. If yeah. you if you take all these other things, blah blah, this medication, this this this, or walk or this, you know. And here's something that I want to say right here because you. You have, you spoke, well, actually, first of all, let me start here because uh, we spoke a lot about your practice now and we kind of skipped over, like, well, I started asking about your history, then we kind of went away. But I do want to know, just if you could share with us your experience of, I know we're kind of past that at this point, but uh, like the details of how it was going to school in Mexico, going to school in different, in the U.S., like, how did that affect your perspective? Did you start to see commonalities where you're like, okay, this is what I believe, but then now the more that I go through life, the more I see that things are similar. Obviously, you said you saw that in your No, it's... It's because I always saw that, that we're all the same. Yeah. Because imagine I come from a caste society, which means you're the lower caste or upper class and everything. So I was sort of upper middle. And then at my grandmother, we always say, we're all the same. I remember I remember one day I came to, to her and I was worried and about something. And he said, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to be afraid of nobody. I said, I don't have to. <laughs> she said, yes. And I said, grandma, why? And then my grandma is a devout Catholic. You know, she goes to church three times a week. She prays. She's in this comedy, 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 and comedy. And she said, even the Pope is just like all of us. I said, grandma. <laughs> and you know what she said? This is what changed oh, my no. life. This hey, is what changed the Catholics me. Know what that my means. grandmother said, did you know the Pope has to go to the toilet to poop? <laughs> and if he's not careful, he's, he's, he's going to have his hand dirty with the poop. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and he has to go and wash his hand. I say, we all do that. So we're all the same. And then I'm say, the Pope. So imagine whenever I have to go anywhere, uh, and, and she said, don't be afraid of anybody, not even the devil. And she tell me stories. And then, so, you know, that was my role model. And she said, uh, so whenever I would go anywhere, I, I see the person sitting on the toilet. <laughs> this yeah. is my secret. <laughs> I oh. see the person sitting on the toilet because she's like, if the, and also as a surgeon, so you might have hear, heard it if you've been in a hospital or you might have seen on television in the show and they say, any surgeon, any surgeon, right? They say, there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Any surgeon to show up to the operating room. So when you go to the operating, operating room and then the patient is covered, when you look inside, they all look the same. It's all skin deep. That's nothing to do. We're all the same. We have the same type of blood, all the things, everything. So it's just like my grandmother told me that. And then when, you, when you're doing, when you have a, a cadaver, it doesn't matter which the ways, by the time you, 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 know, you are here to, to do dissection, 
doesn't matter if you're black or white, you're the same color. <laughs> just yeah. The skin is just, and the inside are the same. So I, I learned that very early, we are the same. And my grandmother told me, she said, I remember things were happening, hungry at night, my father went into exile or being sick or not feeling well. My grandmother would come and rub my belly. She just touched me. And then she said, I hope you touch your patients. That's what they need. People are suffering. They need somebody who comes and say, I'm here for you. So I developed that. So I remember I'm in Mexico, right? And then there were very few women. And then, so when I, when I would go to a place, all the women, the mostly women, they want to come and see me. And I'll say, all oh, the patients will see me. And I realize I'm working very hard. <laughs> I say, unless you had a history of rape or something or abuse, I'm not going to see you. You go and see the guys. I refuse. But then not only the husband wanted to help the wives to see a woman, but also they felt more comfortable is because here, yeah. I used to have a sign in my office that said, that said, because the patient would say, oh, I hate this exam, blah, blah, blah. And I say, stop complaining. I have to go through it too. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it, they made it. My patient wrote about it in magazine, the big magazine. And he said, oh, she sent it to me. Yeah, it's because, and, then, and I think it's called empathy. That's the part of the healing. It's just, and that's what I'm teaching people. And it's not only, it's not only in medicine. It's how you live with the person in your house. Right. How, do you listen? Do you have empathy? Do you understand? Do you give love? And then people say, the more love you give, the more you get in return. Right. And you know what's interesting about that too is that, yeah, you do see... Like, you will see somebody who can behave in society, but when they're at home, they tend to be very tyrannical, let's say, right? But mm -hmm. that, I yep. think I think that comes from, that is a, is a indicator that the self is actually not as good as you think. Because if you can only behave in society, then that means mm -hmm. that you need others to show you how to act. But when you're alone, yes. you don't know how to act. You're going, you, to, you're going to act. And then, and it, it, that's the gift also that I have, able to understand why they're doing that. Because why would it, because you have to love yourself to be able to love others. Right. You right. know, and That's you have true. to, many times you also have to have known love. I have met, I have met some people and they would cry. Usually they would stand up and start crying. And then, and, and there was a gentleman and he said, I've never experienced love. Never the way you showed me in the few minutes I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you learn it. And then because he was crying and I had to make something to make him smile. And I said, oh, there is a second one unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. I'm giving it to you unconditionally. Right. I happen to have the knowledge. You hear you suffering and that's why I'm here. And this is it. Right. And I think when people see that, that there's somebody that's able to show compassion, even at their lowest, I think that's when people really discover the best in other humans is like, like, you know, because when people are, let's say a rich person, right, they can get caught up in this idea. Everybody's treating me good because I have money. Mm -hmm. So they become cynical in that sense, mm -hmm. you know, and then but in the same way, a person who's poor can say, hey, society is rejecting me because I'm poor, you know. So there's conditions to their acceptance in there's that conditions. sense. Yes. So it's like but when you remove those and it's like somebody just comes to you as a human, like, well, mm -hmm. he, look, I understand what you're going through, not because I know not because I walked your shoes, but because I'm human too. And, and I've been, oh, and oh, personally, I've been through many, I've been through many different things. I, I have, I yeah. have. 
Oh, which is even better, you know, especially when you can Yes, relate. because they've been there, done that. I said, yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah. It's just like some people say, okay, you went to tap here, tap there. I said, no, when you're having a panic attack and then you have the voice in your head going, blah, 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 you cannot click, click. You know? Well, I remember I you used to get yeah. Your breath. So that's what I wrote the book. Four quick ways to stop it. Because tap here, tap there. Ah, no, no, no. Because most probably you never had a panic attack. <laughs> and yeah. I was in New York on the book tour and then I woke up it's just like see a circle you have a circle or a clock people most people don't know about clock so yeah one o'clock two o'clock three o'clock so it's just like somebody took a scissors and cut a pair of scissors and cut 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 my brain didn't function imagine I'm a surgeon imagine they call me and I go to, to the operating room say knife and then I have to go and make a decision is the patient going to be admitted for observation if it's the, is the patient going to go home or at two o'clock in, in the morning, we're going to call the crew to operate. This is me. And I'm in a situation that my brain doesn't function. Thank God I had a, I had a friend who's a therapist and I called her. And I said, I don't understand. This is what's happening. She's, oh, you're having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And then that's the time I had to stop and learn about myself. She said, all the things that happened to you in your past. Now, you're going to turn 50 and it's going to come out because you want to be the matriarch. So the nature is making sure that everything you clean, if you want to be that spatial healer, if you want to be that person, people are going to come to with the light. You have to take, you have to be naked. You have to take all everything that doesn't serve you. So all, until you learn about you and you do that and you learn it for yourself, you cannot do it. You cannot teach the person because you can talk about it, but that's why you, what you do work because the person say, I've been there, <laughs> been yeah. there, done that. Yeah, and this is a situation where I can actually share my personal experience. Where like, yes. you know, there was a point in my life where I was having really bad panic attacks. But I'm, but I'm a, I'm, I'm the type of person where I don't talk to nobody about my problems. So I was having it by myself, right? Yes. I was basically having panic attacks in my room all alone, and it, I mean, it's a terrible feeling. You feel like you're gonna die. You know, mm -hmm. like that's what I was feeling. I was feeling like, like death was imminent. I was feeling like. Yes, like you're, I just, dying. like I was just gone, like I, my, like whatever, per, whatever order was in my life was removed, and now I was in complete disorder, and and honestly, well, again, I was too scared to tell people, and, and I, I didn't have the power to reach out, and so you know, normally what you would probably go to a therapist, get some medicine, whatever, you know, but all I did was I started to do push-ups because I was like, oh well. You know, just like the touch, touch, touch is mm -hmm. the idea of removing the mental by being physical. It's like all I yes. did was all the mental energy that was being exerted. I just exerted it physically. And then I helped that helped me calm down. And it's like that's that's a conclusion. That's a conclusion that I came to by myself. Naturally by going through something that's human, like a panic attack. Like this is something that's probably going to happen again. So I shouldn't rely on a doctor. I should figure out how to solve this on my own. So it's mm -hmm. like even though it was terrible and I had to go through it, it's like finding that out. It gave me so much power in terms of like knowing yes. that God has already instilled me with the instruments to heal myself. So if I really want to heal myself, then all I have to do is dig within myself and ask God how to do it. And then, you know, he'll, yes. he'll show you because, because, you know, again, and I'm not I'm you, when you, I say, you letting go. You say, help me. Yeah. Help me. And it's like, well, here, help I, me. Obviously help I, me. I'm weak. I can't control my mind, but I can control my body. So let me control my body and then I'm controlling <laughs> my body. And then I, my mind control comes back little by little. And then it's like, yes. now I'm back in order. And it's like, okay, that, it was just a moment and everything's fine. And, and usually probably you're going to a tough situation right. as an intuitive healer. I usually find the reason why was it the person, 
was it's just like for me i was in a situation with my career i felt like no way out like when i was there, a lot of abuse a lot of things happened to me as a child so all those things remind me to like a ptsd i am in that situation again so i felt and the body said right. i'm out yeah, right. no way out. i'm gone but let me tell you something that happened that would happen one thing that i teach my my patients and the people whatever in my educational materials is that when you're on the fight or flight response you're pumping adrenaline and cortisol <laughs> oh, 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 oh. and then so what happens is it the the the, the, the pumping it's for 18 seconds if you don't do anything about it it's going to dissipate but it's just like it pumps and i'm worried it pump and i'm worried more and more and that's why you just escalate and you have the panic attack so so one number one i, I do tell person find the cause why is it number two while you're in the middle of it uh, understand that is if you can count to, by 18 seconds you don't you do you, you don't you block the thoughts that's what i say that in that book and then then it's it's going to go away and and so by uh, while i am in i was in new york on the book tour you know i was just a, a lot of books and blah 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 and and i'm at my brother's house and then all of a sudden i woke up and i was in the big room you know with a queen king size bed and i felt i was in a little cubicle i remember when we used to do uh we used to do uh anatomy and we mm -hmm. had a you know just a little a cathedral something that's small to put the body and then right. so the students we can do uh the, the 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 dissection so here i am i'm feeling i am in the small bed like this and the walls are coming in dun, 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 dun. and i and you're talking me a surgeon right and then dun, dun, and i'm saying what's going on and i'm just saying i have to get out the, the walls are going to close to me and then i'm saying and then i cannot think and i'm shaking and then right. i go and then so I called her. Thank God she answered the phone because they could have taken me to the hospital and my life would have been different. That's what I'm but saying. it was supposed to be this way that she picked up the phone. I said, "This is this is what's happening to me." Oh, you're having a panic attack. He said, "Go and get your brother." In the meantime, it's two o'clock in the morning. My mother is a pharmacist. He lives in Long Island and is going to be working in Brooklyn, so he has to. I said, "I, I cannot." He said, "Call your brother. Go and call your brother." So I went and called my brother. So I, I said to him, somebody wants to talk to you. And they were shocked because I'm the big sister. My mother died and I'm the one who's taking care of everybody. You know what I mean? The surgeon in control. And then, so he and his wife, they came to my room and I'm crying. Ah, ah, I'm crying. And then she got on the phone and, and then, and I heard my, my sister-in-law, Luana saying, yes, I'm going to get some, some ice. And then, and then I'm going to get, uh, and then yes, I'm going to get some uh, towels. So essentially, I was doing all the tappings, nothing works, and I'm just, ah, ah, ah. and then, so I remember I'm sitting here like, a, I'm so afraid I'm right. going to die. The, the walls are going to cave, the, everything. And then she pulled the towels on my legs, and she kept on putting ice. So what, she, what the, the smart therapist did was, instead of giving me a shot, <laughs> she my sister-in-law Luana put the ice in my hands and it, it burns when you have a lot of ice in your hand right and then so I bypass my brain I bypass mm. everything so I was just there and she said breathe and breathe and she kept on putting ice and then I remember saying oh my god look at that the ice is melting that's what I remember oh my god look at how the ice is melting so all this energy and then 
And then finally, I stopped. And of course, I was able to, I had to fly. Oh my God. And then, and then I have, I have a beautiful home with beautiful windows. And a friend of mine came to see me and I said, why are you looking this way? I said, maybe the windows are so small. He said, what are you talking about? We're in New York. That's why we have small windows. We're not in San Diego, beautiful homes. Yeah. And then they were on your pool. And then I was just like, but if anybody could listen, listening to it and we are like, somebody's doing something, just that. And that's what she did for me. And it worked. Right. And then knowing and calming and praying, okay, everything's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Then if the person is is not getting fine, then you have to go call 911 or something. But most of the time, it's just, oh, everything is okay. All is well. All is well. All is well. All is well. And my brother, and, and I, I have that image of my brother crying. My brother is a tall, handsome man. And it's just like, and they're crying oh, because they're seeing, I'm like their mom. They're seeing me like, Oh my God, it was so hard. And they say, okay, okay. I say, hey, sis, you're going to be okay, sis. You're going to be okay. You know what I mean? So I finally calmed down. So so and, I've been there. <laughs> and I think I think in those moments is when we really see the, the truth in in life, which is like that's what we are at every moment. It's just oh, that yes. it's just that God has given us the gift to create order from it. But it's like if we if we didn't have that barrier that protects us, then that's all we would be. We would just sit down and, and just cry all day because we're just like, oh, what's going on? We're just in this on this ball and, and yes. floating through space. And oh, then what's going on? And, uh, and then it's like there's so many things to worry about in life. But yet we're able to still live a very, a very fulfilling life. And that's the yes. gift right there, you know, and that's where the spirituality comes in. And, you know, I and, think you said it beautifully. huh? And then, you know what I had to learn? And then when I came, so we had to find out why is it at the why is it that I have this, I'm into this situation? And then she said that a bunch of things, there was a lot of trauma. So I've sort of post-traumatic. And then when I found myself in the situation with my career, all the trauma were coming together. And then I felt like I had no way out. And then, so I had to learn. And also I, I totally say, oh, I don't know, God, I don't know about God and things like that. And, and then, um, because if there was a God, you know, why would things would happen? I didn't realize religion and spirituality and God are two different things. So if your connection, so what people do has nothing to do with God. It's right. <laughs> just some people do a bunch of things in the name of God. So essentially I had to, 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 to reconnect with my spiritual self. So I had a great therapist. I have to say that I had to take medication. When I came back, oh, I couldn't sleep. I was still anxious, so they gave me some medications. And then she said, you have to take it. So I called my doctor. I said, I can't sleep. They said, you have to sleep. And because when it started getting dark, I have to go. I have a big yard in the pool. I have to go by outside. And my husband just said, can you stay? I said, I can't, I can't. And then so every, all my family is totally distraught because me, the in-control person, whenever it gets dark, I'm going to die. And then right. so I took the medications, but the idea, I'm going to take it. And I'm going to learn everything I need to know so I can go and live my life and teach to others. And the number one I had to learn is to forgive the past. Forgiveness. All the people who've done things to me, the little girl, that little girl who suffered a lot, I had to forgive. So I had to let go all the toxic emotions. So I had to learn. It's been a spiritual awakening for me having a good therapist. Having, that's what's happening to you. And then, and, and, and that's how I end up having to leave medicine. 
uh, my private practice house, you know, I go to the clinics or I go to Haiti, deliver babies. I do that. But me as a healer on my personal life, I had to reinvent myself. And, and also by going through this, I always see it's just been there. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm not that big shot who read it in the book. Oh no, I can tell you, I, I can, let me tell you, let me tell you how you feel when it's happening. And say, really? It happened to you? People who say, I remember when I came back, I was on a book tour. I have two books and I'm on Barnes and Nobles on New York and blah, 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 blah. All these went borrows in New York. And so at the, in the doctor's lounge, they asked me, how are things? And then I never forgot that there is one, she's, she, or she, because most, they were most, mostly guys. And mm -hmm. I said, I had a panic attack. She looked at me and she said, don't say anything. <laughs> she told me that because she, you know what she said to me? I never forgot that. If it happened to you, what's going to happen to all of us? You're the strongest. Imagine I'm a woman, I'm black. All of those people are white guys. And she was, <laughs> it's just like, if it happens to you, you're the strong and it happened to you. And she said, don't say anything. Yeah, I think it's worse when you go about it like that because it's like, it's like the metaphor of, you know, they say, like, you could put the monster in the closet, but mm -hmm. as soon as you open the door, the monster's still there. So oh, it's like, I don't do that. That's, I, because I don't put no monster. Yeah, but I think society I does that. I Yes, but I had learned that when I, my first book by a major publishing company, Menopause Made Easy, I was on the book tour. At my book, Menopause Made Easy and Natural Pregnancy A to see those two books, I was on the book tour. And I remember uh, Louise Hay, she's my spiritual mentor and also i was a gynecologist people say oh do you know her I say, i'm a gynecologist and she's only doctor she'll go to but one of the things when i had the contract for the book and they say people learn by personal story and they say we'll never publish a scientific book but what you need to do uh because of louise she loves you so we're going to publish it for you but we want stories stories and i'm realizing people who say oh I, the stories." so i've learned that so then guess what after that i wrote a book it's about my story, how I overcame that and how to rebuild my spiritual foundation and all those things. And then when they buy all the books, when I do the preface, I said everything. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's very, again, it, it's deeply rooted. And I think, again, if you pay attention to history, right, storytelling is is the human, the natural way to, to pass knowledge down by generations. Pass the knowledge. You, you see, you go back, you look at ancient cultures, cave paintings, People used to gather around campfires, mm -hmm. tell stories. Yes, we, yes. The Egyptian, I mean, the Egyptians mastered it, right? They were able to create these amazing hieroglyphs with like so much detail. And they not only captured the physical reality, but they also captured the spiritual reality mm -hmm. of with mixing humans and, and animals and mixing, just creating these images. And it's like, because we understand what's going on in our brain is so infinitely complex. We also understand that by telling a story, we're able to simplify those concepts. So it's like, if you're able to tell an effective story, then you can get so much more knowledge out than if you just tell people two plus two equals four you know it's like i, I mean yeah maybe they'll learn that oh, way there's but... a million way to have four yeah oh, <laughs> exactly exactly that's the thing it's like but the storytelling method is so human and it's so natural to us that it's like it, 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 it's it identifies with us and i think that's why now we need to put more of an emphasis on 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 storytelling and and reading and, and sharing stories because i think as a society we've come to this point where we become arrogant with our knowledge with our intellect where it's like, you know, we, we, we think that we have everything figured out because we know so much. But, but you know, knowing so much doesn't really mean anything if you if the knowledge 
is being applied yes, indirectly. You you know? How do you use it? How do you use it? It's like, uh, and, yeah. so, and something I want to educate you in the African, in my ancestors, uh, there is, they didn't have any writing. They, they call it a griot. Mm. A griot is the person who carried the oral story. Mm. So though from generation to generation, there is somebody in that community who's like the newspaper. He knows everything. And it is the griot. Everybody takes care of him. And then, so I grew up with my, my grandmother. Like, it's just, don't be afraid of the devil. My grandmother is going to tell me how she was in the place and she met the devil. She's ready to spit on his face. <laughs> so I grew up, my grandmother was a storyteller. My father is a storyteller. In my family, from our ancestry, we do storytelling. So it's just like, and then when I write my books, people say, I'm there with you. It's, the, it's, it's because I've been here, it was in my genes. Mm-hmm. So we have the storytelling. So you need to know that we have that as Africans. <laughs> Oof, definitely. Well, I mean, I feel like we covered mostly everything so far up to this point. So I want to start moving into the last part of the interview, which is where we ask the same seven questions that we always ask our guests. Oh, you have a set of questions for me? Yeah, seven okay. questions. Don't worry, it's nothing crazy. But uh, well, yeah. You know what? You can ask me anything. (laughs) I can tell just by the conversation, and if you, if, if at in the future, you know, if you'd like to come back on, we'd love to have you back on because we'd like to talk. No, no, you you invited me. You invited me. Okay, yeah. Because we would, because we would like to have you on with other people as well. Because I feel like you know, I feel like we there's a need to connect people. Because I've met so many people with similar minds from different parts of the world that I think that it's Mm -hmm. important that people connect because what you offer. Invite me. Just invite me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, the seven questions. Uh, yes. So the first question here is gonna be, uh, what motivates you to get out of bed every day? A bed every day. One sentence. So many things. So little time. <laughs> right. So many things to do. So little time. I want to go on. I pray. Give me longevity. Give me twenty years. I'm going to reform the way we think about how we get sick. How to go find the why? <laughs> yeah, we'll be yes. we'll be right here supporting you the whole way, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, number two. Do you have advice? For, I mean, the whole podcast has been kind of like advice, but just one general advice you want to give for people. General advice: Know that all things unfold in divine order. You can change it. It will come when it needs to come. You can change it. You just let go with the flow. Go with the flow. Uh, number three, can you share with us, please, the first time that you ever felt accomplished, the first time you ever felt like I did it? I've had many moments in my life, but I think one of the most powerful moments came yesterday where I realized I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. anything. It was profound yesterday. That is profound. You don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. Right. Uh, Okay. Well, can we, let me see. Can we get some some of your goals? You mentioned that you want to continue, you know, your teachings and my you have a podcast that you want to do. But my yeah. goal, my goal is that people will understand how simple are the body works, the mind, the spirit. You know, your mind, the body, and the spirit. 
and how a symptom or an abnormal lab work is the tip of the iceberg. This beautiful body can heal itself 21 days. It will regenerate, the cells regenerate. It's how much tox the toxic emotions that we put out there. So I want people, in, through my teaching, I've written many books, but through my podcast, through Healing Matters, to my uh, YouTube channels in Haitian and in English, to explain whenever you, you go to the doctor, your, your lab work is abnormal, don't give me a diagnosis. Like, why is it, why is it that my body is misbehaving now? My blood sugar is high. Why? Find the why. Heal the why. Otherwise, it's putting band-aid. Go take, a, take a, an inventory. Like when Irma came to me, and Irma was in November, she was dying. She was hemorrhaging. She had diabetes and control. She was on insulin. She, she had high cholesterol, high pagisera. Everything was abnormal. All the, they keep on doing lab work. All of them getting worse and worse. And I said, Irma, I see you came to this clinic in April. You just couldn't sleep. You were diagnosed with insomnia and anxiety. And then with time, things are getting worse. They give you more medications, causing you to have more problems. Irma, we need to find a why. And I said, you know, he said, I don't know, but I said, I'm going, huh? okay. In April, you were, you came to the doctor that you couldn't sleep. You have the, I see the diagnosis. They put you on sleeping pill and uh, an anxiety medication. What was happening in March? Nothing. What was happening in February? What has happening in January? My son died. My son, my only son died. She was grieving. They kept on, then she's eating of her body everywhere. So the lab works, which I call it, they were like the uh, ashes from things not working. And they kept on measuring. And then it's getting worse and worse. They're giving more medication. Now she's on 15 medication. And the, the, the medication for depression is making her bleed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything. And they're giving her this. And then, and then, but nobody ever asked her. No, you stress. Oh, you stress. Okay. But why? And she told me. So my goal is that people, whenever they feel something, I cannot sleep. Why? Mm. That's the most important. Why? And go back. Why? Why? Yeah, That's I my, I want to, I would call it, reform the way people think about their body and health. Yeah, I think that, I think it's important to note there too, since it's tied in, it's like, well, you've got to be aware of the fact, especially in, let's say, let's just use America because I'm in America right now. So we're mm -hmm. in America right now. So it's like, we just to stick to here for now, uh, you know, you got to be aware that the medical industry is an industry, right? The medicine industry uh -huh. is an industry. The pharmaceutical industry is an industry. And this is not just, I'm not trying to go against everybody, but what I'm saying is that the business of medicine is to, is for people to be sick so that medicine can sell. You know, and it's like, and I'm not saying that they make people sick, but they're, you know, there's definitely no benefit in curing people if, if you can hold on to somebody and keep them sick for a little bit longer and just, you know, make as much money off the insurance that you can. You know, and it's a fortunate reality, but it's also something you got to consider. 
especially when it's a possibility. So it's like at least being aware so that when mm-hmm. you go into the doctor's office and they're so quick to tell you that you're depressed, because I've, I've, I've been to the doctor's office and I've seen how quickly they'll tell you that you're depressed and how quickly they'll try and put you on an antidepressant and how quickly they'll try and put you on some sort of medication, because that's how you st- that's how you stay in the system. Because you got to keep coming back, and I and I'm not saying it's it is effective. That's why it works. That's why it's still in place. It helps. It saves people, especially. It's when a but I have to. We taught my grandmother said that I should have been a lawyer. Uh-huh. It's not only Western medicine. Right. You go to an herbalist. Some people are selling supplements. There is always somebody selling you something to make you feel better. All oh, right. Yeah. Now it's oh you now everybody has to fast and it was like keto every time there is something people are expert and they're telling you this is what to do it's not just in Western medicine going to the doctor give you a prescription they're giving prescriptions they are pharmaceutical they have big they send you things I see people they get boxes and things and things and I'm thinking you know and then they have new studies called oh your guts you have to change your microbiome so when somebody tells me they have a problem with their guts and I say who have you lost. Your fourth chakra, whenever you, you lost, usually the people who, they lost somebody, somebody dead, they, that's what they're going to say, I'm going with the stomach. And I say, the body speaks. Why? But nobody, no, you just say, oh, have this medication, this, have this tea, this herb, and this, this. No, it's just not Western. It's, it's the thinking process of because you have something, then we have to give you something. Mm. You won't believe it if, if I have something, how many people... Because now people have Google, they can go and they say people are experts. And I said, do you remember I'm a doctor? Oh, I forgot. Oh my God. And then they will tell you, you need to take this, you need to take this, you need to, yes. And th- this is the programming. You having a symptom or you having something, this is what you take. Whether Eastern or Western is the same thing. So I have to say that. Yeah, no, definitely. No, you're right too. And I'm, I mean, you see that everywhere in society too. Definitely. Everybody's selling you something. So yeah, snake oil salesmen, right? People who just claim that this, yes. this bomb is gonna your bald will put this on your head and your hair will yeah, go back somehow <laughs> i like, know i know like so we need to we need to clarify yeah. this no no you're right you're right great point thank you um okay the let's see fifth question no fourth question um how has your life experience shaped shaped you as an individual i mean you kind of shared that with us throughout the but how, how my what my how has your life experience shaped the way you are as an individual today I am constantly changing. And the, and then the only thing is, it's certain. It's about, there are three things. Number four, you're going to live, yeah. you, you were born, you're going to die, you pay taxes, and life, things are going to be changing. Mm-hmm. It's about changes. And the things about me that I'm able to accomplish so many things, I realize, ooh, remember number one, there's so many things, so little time. So I'm constantly changing. Do you know I sing in a band? I sing in a band. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm a soft jazz singer. I realize I want to be a singer. <laughs> I'm singing in a band. I'm going to be having concerts. You're in a jazz concerts. band? Yes. That's cool. So you never know tomorrow. You know, I'm a gardener. I am. So it depends where you. St- every three weeks, my life changed completely. I'm totally something <laughs> different. <I> feel- <laughs> That's. <laughs> Man, that's inspirational. A doctor, jazz band singer, healer. I mean, wow. Yes. Talk about John. <laughs> that see, that's because you 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 practice what you preach, right? You say I do, I do, you say, I do. 
And that's the problem I think we we also have today oh, is like I do. the misalignment of beliefs and actions, right? It's like if you yes, believe something, yes, your actions should yes. align. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, last three questions. Uh, these are or actually last two questions. These are the last. These are the deepest okay. questions. These are the deepest questions, but all right. But they also tend to be some of the shortest answers. But yeah, let's go. Number one, what do you, Doctor Carol? 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 How do I say? Carol. 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 I'm gonna have to learn some French, Doctor Carol. <laughs> what do you love? What do I love? Love. Love, because it's the most when you when you're able to have it and unconditionally people see it and when you have love in your heart and people doesn't matter which country doesn't matter you go to record the person's soul and they can see it and you get love yeah, yeah, I love love. <laughs> that actually brings up, that brings up something. Uh, you know, recently we had a guest, and he was he did human humanitarian work, and one of the places that he went to was uh, Guyana, and he he mentioned that he was in uh, Georgetown, Guyana, and that there's this community called the Gricola, and it's like a really bad community. You know, there's gangs and things like that. But he said that there was these ten young people that that were really that would love their community in the way that you explained it. I mean, really love their community to the point mm -hmm. where where they wanted better for themselves, you know, and not mm -hmm. just for themselves, but for their community. And it's like, yes. even yes. in a third world situation where things are ravaged and everything's going to complete chaos and you would think that there is no way to find hope, people will find oh, there hope. There is, there is, and, there is. And so much love and so much compassion and so much just humanitarianism. Yes. And I think we just... Yes, yes. Oh, it's just and then when, when you come and say, yes, I have this love and then... I, I, I'm listening. What can I do to make you better in, in a midst of the chaos? Oh, right. and you right. do a lot of things and the earthquake comes and everything trashing. How do we start all over again? Right. For hope. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So last question, uh, Dr. Carol, are you, oh no, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Needles. <laughs> <laughs> needles, needles. That's funny coming from a surgeon. That's needles. If you have to take my blood, I have to have my friends. They have to sit on me. I'm screaming. Wah! I'm afraid of needles. Uh, awesome, amazing, perfect answer. Um, all right. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Dr. Carol for for coming through, sharing her amazing knowledge, her her wisdom, her experience, and I, I'm sure we'll have her on again so she can talk to us more about the technical aspects of it. But Thank you for what you yes. shared today. Uh, do you have any last words for the people before we sign off? Uh, so, you know, at my website, drcarol.com, they can follow me at, at drcarol, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-L-E. And, uh, and spread the word. Hope, you know, I say you learn and then spread it. Share the love. Share the love, share the love. But yeah, uh, we'll have all that in the description. If you guys want to check it out, go down, click the links, check out uh, Dr. Carol's stuff, uh, get into it, read it, you know, find it out. It's always cool to find out, learn from different perspectives. Check it out. Let us know what you guys think. But yeah, oh, yes. thank you guys again for tuning in. As always, be safe, take care, and peace. Peace.